This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on Stick to Football, it is Tuesday. That means top five takeaways. Also, a little bit of a prospect roundtable and some $100 handshakes. Matt Miller here with you. Connor out on PTO today. For you uh, non-corporate people, that means paid time off. I think personal time off, paid time off. Do I do I have any of those days? Uh, no. Here, nope. I don't think you do. I want to check with my HR representative. Right. Yeah. Please do find out how many days you get. Um, <laughs> because it, well, you couldn't take them right now. It's football season, Mello. We need you here. The weird thing is, like, it was kind of a fun weekend of football, but it was a letdown weekend. Like, this was the weekend where your hopes and dreams came to die as a football fan, unless you're an Alabama fan. And Mello, I saw you send a tweet, something I've said a lot before, is that raising children to be Texas fans is terrible. You're setting them up to be let down. It's like telling your kids, hey, don't even get in a relationship. You're going to get divorced. Like, don't do it. Like, don't dream, young man. It won't work. Let and me so, save you from the misery. Exactly. And it's not just like, I. we are Texas fans. We feel that heartache. I know there are like Jets fans who are like, yep, preach, brother. Giants fans. You know, it's like when you're the team that like can't win, like you just can't. Browns fans, you know, although maybe they're on the up and up. It, it was a little bit of an upset weekend. Texas ranked nine. They lose to uh, a team in TCU that they should have beaten. Oklahoma loses two straight games. I cannot remember the last time Oklahoma lost two straight games. And the last time Oklahoma lost at Iowa State was 1960. So Matt Campbell breaks that streak. It was it was one hell of a weekend, honestly. And like as two Texas fans sitting here today, it's like oh, it's kind of heartbreaking. This is the first time since probably the Colt McCoy era that I had my hopes up for Texas to actually play like in the Big 12 Conference Championship game or yeah. to make it to the college football playoff for the first time. I thought this was a very good veteran team. I, I, I haven't had my hopes up like this in a long time, like I said. And then it comes crashing down on a Saturday against fucking TCU <laughs> of all schools. Like you couldn't just let Oklahoma rip my heart out like usual. It yeah, has you to expect be TCU, that, right? Right. Yeah, you expect Oklahoma. But now, uh, as we sit here, it is Oklahoma week. That game has really lost its luster. Like I'm surprised. Like I put my top 25 rankings out. You can find it on our Miked Up website. I, I don't know that either one of these teams even deserves a spot in the top 25. Oklahoma's lost twice. They don't. Texas has played like dog shit. I think I kept them in there, but you barely <laughs> beat Texas Tech. You lost right. to TCU. Right. You probably don't deserve to be ranked top 25. I think maybe they just did it because, eh, we need one of these teams ranked for the Red River rivalry. 
I don't want to. This is not a Texas podcast, right? Uh, Mello will probably start one of those eventually that you can listen to. But I do think this is an interesting counterpoint because Texas and Oklahoma are national brands. College football is good when they're good, right? When that rivalry is good. I, I wonder two things before we get to our $100 handshakes. Lincoln Riley couldn't miss at the quarterback position, right? Baker Mayfield is a transfer. Kyler Murray is a transfer. Jalen Hurts is a transfer. Spencer Rattler is a young player, but he's not playing that well. And I think more than anything, we're seeing Oklahoma not play well. I have to wonder if this is the team that Lincoln Riley looks at and is like, I'm good. I'm going to the Dallas Cowboys, who might be looking for a new head coach because Mike McCarthy is absolutely terrible. I don't know why we thought the guy took a year off, got a pro football focus subscription, and now he's not a dumbass anymore. Like, why did people buy into that? So I do wonder if Lincoln Riley, if this is the time where it's like, you know what, man, I had a hell of a run. Not going to get that natty. Let me go to Dallas and get that money. And also on the other side of that, I don't know if Tom Herman's the guy at Texas. And like that staff, yep. they've been very good to us, Mello. So it's even hard for me to be like, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't. And I'm, I, I know Sam Ellinger said it. Texas deserves better. Yes, Oklahoma deserves better right now as well. These two powerhouses that are the Big 12 Conference. Like we could see a massive shakeup in these two teams. Yeah, I, I think especially with Lincoln Riley, you have to look at it as maybe this guy came back to see what he could do with Spencer Rattler. I obviously got a big, huge contract extension there to stay in Norman. That's a great place to coach. Like I know that I'm a Texas fan. You are too. And I hate Oklahoma. That's like a top five job in the world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not, like put even like, uh, you know, I don't care. Whatever CEO it's position. better than most NFL jobs. Yes. I, I, w- I would agree that it's, I think it's better than every job except for the Kansas City Chiefs job. But like for Lincoln Riley, coming back, seeing what you have with Spencer Radler, maybe it's not working out. As well as you thought, I guarantee they didn't expect two losses this year. Maybe it is time for him to look and be like, you know what? Maybe maybe I do take a look at Dak Prescott and what's happening in Dallas. And maybe the money can draw him there. I hope to God that it does. And as far as Tom Herman and like the Texas staff, you're right. I like I I loved the Tom Herman hire. I thought bringing in a Texas guy might change things. Like Charlie Strong did a good job, but he wasn't really in with those Texas high school football coaches. Tom Herman was, and it's still just, it's not working out. Like, they almost set a record for penalties in a game against TCU. Yes. You cannot have that. And you're getting good recruits, but they're still not developing. So, uh, I watch out for P.J. Fleck, I guess. I, I I love him. He's one of my favorite college football coaches. And I think that after this year, like, who knows what's going to happen with, like, Harbaugh at Michigan I, I think that P.J. Fleck could see a huge payday at the end of this year. Yeah, P.J. Fleck's name to watch. Matty Campbell, you mentioned. that he, My man, after I kind of, I talk shit after uh, week one. <laughs> uh, I apologize. Uh, that's a name we could see a jump. I've mentioned Dan Mullen before. That could be a jump. Yeah, like, yeah. man, there's just a lot. Like, there's a lot of things that, I, I guess, domino it, effects, basically. And I think when you're talking about like guys that are making the jump to the NFL, I think a lot of people want to say Dabo Sweeney. And that's something that we've kind of talked about before. He's one hell of a recruiter. He's built a great program there. You don't have to do that in the NFL, though. It's all about X's and O's. I think if you're dipping into the college ranks, you want a guy that can you know, run a, a great offense or a great defense. Like It's working for Matt Rule. But he wasn't like he didn't build his program based off recruiting. That's just he's a great coach. 
And that's not a slap in the face to Dabo Sweeney. Like that works at the college level. You need guys that can come in, recruit, build a culture. That is how you build a great program. Look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban's the greatest college coach of all time. Couldn't get it done with the Dolphins, though, because he's a recruiter. He's a program builder. He's not like this great X's and O's mind, a great defensive coordinator, great with defensive backs, but he's built one of the best programs in college football history. He's not an NFL coach, and I think that Dabo Sweeney is the same kind of guy. He's going to be one hell of a college football coach, but I don't think he's a guy that can go to the NFL and have success. Do you think P.J. Flick could? I think that he's kind of in the same boat as like a recruiter. I feel the same way. Like that rah-rah. So like I think Ryan Day could. Yeah. I I would like to see what he could do at the next level too. Like building that offense in the way that the NFL is. (laughs) You know? Yeah. The way that the NFL is. Maybe uh, having a couple more mobile quarterbacks. Like maybe he could be like a Greg Roman type guy. You know? That has these mobile quarterbacks that can be successful. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys say, hey, uh, why don't you come up here and... Take a look at this Dak Prescott guy. He plays a lot like Justin Fields. No joke, man. Uh, do you want to hand out some money? Let's do it. $100 handshakes. That's where we tell you the college players who deserve uh, some accolades off the weekend. Mellow. I got to go with this one. The Arkansas Razorbacks. We sat on this podcast and was like, sorry, Justin Cole, your team might go defeated. They might not win a game. When this SEC schedule came out, we were like, shit. Good thing that Northwest Arkansas is beautiful because there's not a lot to cheer about with this football program until one week after Mississippi State wins your locksmith underdog game of the week and beats LSU, the Razorbacks roll over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The defense picks off KJ Costello three times. Mike Leach gets silenced. Fayetteville goes wild. Arkansas, my first $100 handshake. Yeah, and I think that means that the Razorbacks are better than LSU, right? That's how that That's works. That's how that works, right? <laughs> I, and I'm going to stick with a non-conventional one, too. I'm going to give my first $100 to a guy who absolutely does not need it. But I'm going with Kirby Smart, <laughs> the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, because things were looking rough in Georgia. And I know they're a top-ranked team, so people are going to be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But you had Jamie Newman transfer in. You thought he was going to be the starting quarterback. Didn't work out. You had JT Daniels transferring. You thought he was going to be the starting quarterback. Didn't work out. You had a top recruit, Dewan Mathis, come in. You thought he was going to be the starting quarterback. None of them have worked out yet. Two of them haven't even played yet. But you find Stetson Bennett, and you're 2-0 in the SEC. You were just building. You beat the number 7 Auburn Tigers 27-6. to this weekend. That defense is absolutely nasty. I can't believe how well they play. I know last year we looked at it and was like, oh God, this Georgia defense. They're getting it done again with a guy who like used to be a walk-on, like his Stetson Bennett. Raise your hand if you heard of that guy before right. the season. Probably no one other than Georgia fans. So $100 handshake going from me to Kirby Smart. I think that he has his team playing very well. And like not to get too far ahead, but I think it's like November 7th. When Georgia and Florida play, yes. my gosh, I hope this coronavirus goes away after the election because I want to be at that football game. Oh, if it, ha- yeah, yeah, no <laughs> that doubt. was a joke, by the way. Yeah, right. Or like maybe if I get it between now and then, which I'm not hoping on myself. Knock on wood. Like I want to find a way to be at that game. Stetson Bennett the fourth. Like if you tell me that his dad doesn't have a membership to a country club. I'm not going to believe you. Like, <laughs> he probably owns. He it. does, right? He definitely does. He has one of those blue shirts with a white collar. You know, like oh, his yeah. dad does. The Robert Kraft. He, yes. He owns a pink polo. Guaranteed. 
and a white belt. At some point in his life, he has said, do you know who my dad is? Oh, without a doubt, right? It's probably oh. how he got to Georgia. Is Yeah. Is he going to law school? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> definitely is. Uh, he doesn't need the $100 handshake either, but a hell of a game for the walk-on. Uh, my second one, Chuba Hubbard. Who's not getting a lot of love because like Oklahoma State is, you know, it's not a team that we're that we're talking about a lot. Uh, but Chuba Hubbard definitely deserves the hundred dollars after this past weekend. Uh, great, great output against Kansas. I get that, but 145 rushing yards and 20 attempts, two rushing touchdowns. He's getting it done, and, and we're not seeing it a lot as a pass catcher yet this year. We haven't had to, and, and so Chuba Hubbard, I still think is one of the most exciting running backs in college football. Uh, he had this run against Kansas Mellow. It's like they're going to go off tackle left. And the the Jayhawks just like build a wall there, not a shitty one, like a real wall. And he cuts it back to the right and like goes up where the guard would have been. It's just this beautiful, patient cutback run that's not like to me. That's the type of play like I can look at that and be like, he'll be able to do that in the NFL because the pursuit was there and he cut across the pursuit. And it's not one of those crazy college football runs where it's like oh, he's just faster than everybody. He's not. He was just patient. He saw the hole. And then he has the suddenness and the power to finish that run. So I'm a big Chuba Hubbard guy. It's a good running back class. Where he stacks in with Travis Etienne and Najee Harris is definitely very much still up for debate. But two very powerful runs uh, against Kansas to put his total at four for the year. Yeah, we talked about the Big 12 earlier today. Oklahoma State is the only unbeaten team left in the Big 12. They're in the driver's seat, and they could get to the college football playoff, as crazy as that sounds, but they're doing it without their quarterback, Spencer Sanders. So, I mean, Chuba Hubbard getting it done, I think he's definitely uh, deserves that $100 handshake from you. I'm going to go to a game that we saw Friday night. I don't know if you got to watch this one, Matt, but it's a BYU quarterback who's athletic and getting the job done with his arm and his legs. It's not Taysom Hill, but he could be the next one. It's Zach Wilson, the quarterback for BYU. Throws for two touchdowns, but runs in three more against Louisiana Tech. He gets a $100 handshake from me. Outstanding performance. BYU was one of those schools where they didn't know if they were going to be able to get a schedule together. I mean, they were just going all over the place to try to find teams to play them. They're sitting there at 3-0 and right now. They could go undefeated this season. It's kind of a cupcake schedule, but they did the best they can. So I don't want people... I don't want teams or people <laughs> to look at BYU later this year and say, oh my gosh, they played such a cupcake schedule. How can you have them ranked? Well, they did the best they could. Like In 2020, they did the best they could to get some people on the field. So Zach Wilson, good job to you, man. Friday night, if no one saw it, one hell of a performance. He gets $100 from me. Friday feels like it was forever ago. Like I can't remember Friday. <laughs> what did I do Friday It was a long night? weekend. I have no idea. I have no idea what I did Friday night. I think I hung out with you and our kids. That's what we did. Okay. Uh, my last one, I wanted to give it to Shane Bouchelle, right? You pop on ESPN, college football, look at the stats and the box scores. It's like, man, Shane Bouchelle is popping off this year. Leads college football in passing yardage. And like, just love to see this kid continue to, to have a, a great kind of second part of his career, right? But how about wide receiver Reggie Roberson? That's where my money's going because Reggie caught five passes on Saturday, Mello. For 243 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. So when you look at Shane Bichelle's yardage, yes, he's throwing some beautiful balls. Reggie Roberson is absolutely getting it done. This dude is a prospect as a senior. Six foot, 200 pounds. Jim Nagy, I know you know who he is, but promise me he will be in Mobile because I can't wait to see Reggie Roberson against a little bit better competition. 
I don't know that he's the fastest guy, but he has this 70-yard touchdown run where he looks like, you know the old Raiders video on NFL films where the guys run into the end zone oh, and yeah. like the pads are bouncing around? Uh-huh. Like That's what Reggie Roberson looks like, but 70-yard touchdown. He has 474 yards on the year on 22 catches, so he is a big play machine. Yeah, and the SMU... Memphis matchup that was a pretty damn good one SMU sitting at 4-0 right now I love Shane Bouchelle as well like he's a guy that left Texas and I'm still like no I I love him he will forever be a longhorn to me so I love to see him succeed when he's gotten this opportunity obviously your guy Reggie Roberson too 243 yards on five catches it he averaged 48 yards a catch absolutely ridiculous my last one Uh, is a guy that I've been bragging about for a while. And last year I said he was going to have a breakout season. And I think he did, but he still got buried somehow and people didn't recognize it. But that's Brees Hall. And I think that people are recognizing it this year. And if they're not, I'm just going to keep saying his name until they do. The running back from Iowa State, number 28, this team beat Oklahoma. And I think a lot of people will assume when they see that score that, oh man, Brock Purdy must have went off. No. He didn't. He still has it. Brees Hall is the best player on this offense. Yeah. And he carried this team. No other running back had a carry. They didn't even need him. He went 28 carries for 139 yards and two touchdowns against Oklahoma. At home, big-time game. But you know what? Big-time players show up in big-time games. He keeps doing it. He has rushed for 100 yards in all three games this year. He has six total touchdowns. Put him on your watch list because Iowa State, if you're watching them anyway because you think Brock Purdy is something special, check out the running back because he is an actual draft prospect and he's a lot better than Brock Purdy. There it is. Those are our $100 handshakes. Let us know yours. Great time to tweet us at Stick to Football or leave that Apple podcast review. We always appreciate that. Mel, let's take a break. We come back. Top five Tuesdays. It's Tuesday, and it's time to do a little top five takeaways, mellow, a throwback. It almost feels like a, an old stick to football Friday, except for we're doing this in the morning. Neither of us is drunk, and we uh, don't get to answer fan questions like we used to. Speak for yourself. Do you hear me through that $100 handshake? That's true. <laughs> no wonder you're stuttering. I wonder if that will get edited out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> let's start here. Top five Tuesdays, mellow. I hate to put the nail in the coffin on this, but I am here to announce on October 6th 2020 Daniel Jones ain't it it's just not Giants fans can want it to be all the time I've been in relationships too where I really wanted it to be the thing and it's not Daniel Jones is not it yesterday I know they're gonna be like what he wasn't that bad through another pick he has five on the year and the turnovers are just it's too much and I truly believe turnovers something in your game you're just not gonna change he also had another fumble so my god yeah I know man that's the thing five picks this year But he also has two fumbles this year. So it's just like, come on. Or three fumbles, excuse me. So it's just like eight turnovers, four games. This is officially a problem. Daniel Jones ain't it. And I think here's the thing. Dave Gettleman's going to get fired if the Giants ownership will ever nut up and do it. Like, I get that they're Mm -hmm. loyal, and that's cool. But this guy's not it. He wasn't it when you brought him back from Carolina. Exactly. And these the drafts show it. And you, in a terrible division... A terrible division right now. You don't have a win. Right. You're sitting there 0-4. In a year where the Eagles are bad, you don't have a win. Dallas, bad. I was going to say. You don't have a win. This is is the year you could have won the fucking division. (laughs) But your quarterback sucks and your coach, like, I don't know. I don't know anything about Joe Judge. I don't think anyone does yet. He might be the guy. Dave Gettleman is not. So I would like to officially 
throw my hat into the ring as the next general manager of the New York Giants. One of the few places I would move to to do this job. So Giants, come get your boy. Send the jet. And I think a lot of times when we speak of these teams, like it comes off as hate. Like I have nothing against the New York Giants. No. And I don't think that you do either. But the organization, like this used to be like a top organization where people wanted to go to. I think Dave Gettleman is ruining that. And when you look at Daniel Jones, you're right. Like it's just not it. Like, I'm sorry. I, I wish there were a good quarterback in New York, but there's not right now. Like you, maybe you go to Colt McCoy. Is he, I think he's there or he was at one point. Maybe you make that happen. But for me, like that bleeds into my takeaway too, because my big takeaway this weekend is that the Cowboys are not good either. I, and I thought they would be, but you're right. Looking at this division, the Cowboys are one in three. Like this is a terrible division this year and they're tied for second place with Washington And coming back in these games. It's cool uh, to see it. And like Dak Prescott's thrown for almost 1700 yards, but it's because they're losing all these games. And like Mike McCarthy, that's not working either. The NFC East, we're going to be in a weird situation at the end of this season I don't think the winner of this division will be above 500. I think we're going to be looking at like a seven win division winner here and they're going to make it to the playoffs. Like what's the lowest total you can win and still make the playoffs? Like can the Eagles go six, nine and one and make the playoffs? Yes. I think that's going to happen this year. Like that's how bad these teams are playing. And I thought the Eagles might be good. They're really banged up. They could, you know, maybe they're a second half team. Maybe Dallas figures it out. The offense is scoring points. The defense looks just terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, uh, big takeaway for me not only are the Cowboys bad, the NFC East is just terrible as well. It, it absolutely is. Last night or yesterday, excuse me, was just another example of like, yep, this is bad. This is really, really bad. Number two. Dwayne Haskins ain't it. Mello, sorry. Not trying to shit on the (laughs) NFC East. He's not. I like Dwayne Haskins. I do. I liked him coming out. I think he's smart. I think he's a good player. It's just not it. It's not, man. And so for Washington, I don't know if it's time to look at Kyle Allen. I don't know if it's time to look at Alex Smith. But it is time to look at Trevor Lawrence. And it is time to look at Trey Lance. And it is time to look at Justin Fields. Because... In the NFL, yes, we should give guys time to develop. Who's the last quarterback that it took them four years to figure things out or three years to figure things out? You got it or you don't. Think of the glimpses we're seeing from Justin Herbert right now. Think of the glimpses we're seeing from Joe Burrow. Remember Patrick Mahomes week 17 against Denver? Remember Lamar Jackson coming in late in his rookie season. You can see the flashes. Deshaun Watson coming in at halftime in his first NFL game. You got it or you don't. Daniel Jones doesn't have it. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have it. Yeah, and I would agree with you. And I, I wasn't their biggest supporters coming out, which is kind of why like people try to shit on me for the Jared Stidham thing. My big Jared Stidham thing was don't take Daniel, Daniel Jones in the first round or Dwayne Haskins in the first round when you could go grab Jared Stidham in the third round. I think I still look pretty accurate on that one. So I'm with you. I just I don't see it with Dwayne Haskins. I don't see it with Daniel Jones, and I never really have. And I think that we applaud the Arizona Cardinals for moving on early. Like you mentioned, though, like you see the guys that have flashes. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers held on for Jameis Winston for way too long when they could have went out and gotten a, a better quarterback or taken a chance on a different quarterback, but they didn't. 
They held on to the dude for five years and then lucked out and got Tom Brady. Like, that's not the way that you run an organization. It's like, hey, maybe the best quarterback of all time will finally decide to leave New England and come to our team. Like, you're going to have to find one of these guys in the draft. So I think if I'm Washington, if I'm New York, you're 100% correct. It's time to start looking at some of these other players. And for me, another takeaway, maybe it's a quarterback that you should look at here. Alabama is playing absolutely outside of their mind. I knew that Bama was going to be good, but I sat here on this podcast and said, man, they're going to run the hell out of the football. This is going to be a traditional Nick Saban offense where Najee Harris is going to see 30 carries a game. They're going to bleed the clock. They're going to play good defense. Nope, they're airing it out again. Mac Jones, to do what he's doing, uh, had huge question marks coming into the season. I haven't heard anybody like talking about Tua yet. You know, like, man, what if Tua was on this team? Nope, you're good at quarterback. Mac Jones is playing very well, so Bama ain't messing around. Uh, I think that they're poised to take on Clemson again in the national championship, just based off the teams we've seen so far. I I can't wait to see Ohio State get back on the field, but watching Alabama play the last two weeks, like, good luck, SEC opponents, because these guys are out for blood this year. Oh, yes, they absolutely, absolutely are. I mean, I said it uh, on Twitter. Alabama's reminding everyone who daddy is. Like, that's... Uh-huh. It it's still us. It is still us in the SEC. Uh, here's my number three: the 49ers. Mellow. I'm sorry, Nick Mullins ain't it. I wanted him to be it. He's not. But here's what they do need: the Niners need a scorer, not a shooter. And I'm stealing that from Bucky Brooks because I love it. They need someone who can make plays, someone who can be aggressive, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Nick Mullins, whether it's C.J. Beathard, they are not making plays. I want someone who will take shots down the field. I don't want someone who's going to have to... I love George Kittle. He shouldn't catch 15 passes in a loss because you can't throw the fucking football down the field. Give me someone who will take chances. Give me someone who will take shots. Give me a scorer, not a shooter. Not no more like dunk and dive like oh check down nope give me someone who has the nuts to take shots that's what I want a quarterback it, you know honestly I I think that's the way that you have to win in the NFL now you know you look at these guys there's no more like conservative quarterbacks just getting it done I know that Jimmy Garoppolo got his team to a Super Bowl but you're trying to win Super Bowls not just get to them and, like Patrick Mahomes taking a lot of chances yeah he has the arm talent to do it but like Lamar Jackson running the ball the way that he does, you have to be aggressive. You have to take your shot or you're just going to piss away opportunity. And hopefully the 49ers for you, they don't do that. I'll take it back to the college football world though. Could Florida be the 2019 LSU Tigers? I didn't say beat. I said B. I think this is a team that has a veteran quarterback, a lot of really good playmakers. I think we expected Florida to be good. We expected LSU to be good last year. But could this be a team where we're just looking at them and saying, oh, man, these guys could be national championship contenders. And then we get into November or maybe even December this year, and we say, oh, these guys are legit. Uh, This is one hell of an offense. So that's just kind of a storyline that I'm watching. That South Carolina defense is still pretty good. Florida put up 38 points on them. I think we're going to learn a lot from that Florida-Georgia matchup, but watching Kyle Trask play, watching Kadarius Toney, Kyle Pitts, these guys are going to be very hard to stop on offense. And I I think they still have some guys that they haven't really even you know had the chance to get the ball to yet. Grimes is another guy on the Grimes outside. Good Saturday. Like, this is just this is a really really good offense that I'm wondering uh, if they're legit or not. So that's something that I'll definitely be keeping my eye on. Well, uh, I will say this, buddy. As far as Florida goes, you've talked about Bama. You've talked about Florida. I'm going to say this. 
Go ahead and pencil it in. Go ahead and make those travel plans, Bama and Florida fans. You will be playing in the SC Championship game. No disrespect to Georgia. Ugh, the cutest fucking mascot in the world. You're not going to be there. It'll be Alabama. It'll be Florida. Book it. I will refund your hotel. I won't really. No, uh, no, no. Yep, I will <laughs> stop you on that one. No, Let's, no. Not really. Not really. Not uh, so fast, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but man, uh, the, these two teams are playing exceptionally well. We're going to talk about Kyle Trask in the last segment today. I like my team sucks. Like we're fucking terrible. So on weekends, like oh, like I have to watch these games. I'm going to watch a fun one. It's Alabama. It's Florida for me right now. Of everyone, Clemson's up there too. But if I have to watch games. Alabama, Florida. Those are the teams I want to watch. Yeah, I, I love their offenses. And, and for me, uh, I'll go back to the NFL. I, I think that we have to start looking at Bill O'Brien again. I know that you and I have at least have defended him as, I mean, this guy's still a pretty damn good coach. I think the message is stale. I think this is a loss the locker room situation. Them sitting at 0-4, the players are just not responding. I do think Bill O'Brien, the coach, is still good. Bill O'Brien, the GM, not good, but I think he's lost his players. And I think that a lot of people are going to be jumping on the opportunity to coach Deshaun Watson. And I think they're going to get that opportunity. After an 0-4 start, I just don't see how you can keep this guy around. I don't think your fan base is excited about having him. I don't think he's getting the job done on the field. And now you have to wonder, what do the players think about him? That, those are three terrible situations. I think that the, this is the year. I think Bill O'Brien will be on the way out after the season. Yep. I, man, I do. I think I look at it and I'm like, uh, he definitely deserves better. Like He just, he deserves better. So Deshaun Watson, I mean. And I tweeted that and people were like, shouldn't have signed the extension. You, Someone offers you that much money, you're going to say no? Of course not. Deshaun Watson is the Houston Texans, not Bill O'Brien. Not to go all Joe Biden on you when he was like, I am the Democratic Party. Deshaun Watson is the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien can go. They can get someone else in there. Let me go ahead and petition for Eric Bieniemy. I think that would be amazing. Uh, my last one, <clears throat> and I'm getting choked up talking about it because it's hard for me. Uh, we can say now, again, it's October 6th, 2020, Mello. We can officially say Texas is not back. And I, I know a lot of people love to tweet us and be like, oh, it's Texas back. Here's the thing. We laugh at it just like you do. And when people say to me, oh, is Texas back? Here's what I say, especially in person. You mean to be in the second best team in the Big 12? Maybe. But like Texas, even when they had Vince Young, even when they had Colt McCoy, they weren't Clemson like Clemson is now. They weren't Ohio State like Ohio State was with Urban Meyer. Sure as fuck weren't Alabama with Nick Saban. It's like, is Texas back to being nationally relevant? That never went away. But like, are they back to having Vince Young? No, of course not. But we're still not back. Right. Like even when Colt McCoy was there, like they got to a national championship. They didn't win one. So I I don't know. Like the is Texas back joke, I guess it's funny. I just think it's played out. Like I just don't care. Like, no, they're not back. And like you're talking about, what is even back? They they were never like this nationally dominant team in college football. And I'm saying that as my favorite team being Texas, surrounded in a room by Texas pictures. But they're just who cares if they're back? Like them being back, like you said. Second best team in the Big 12. Like they're still behind OU. So I'll agree with that one. My last takeaway here for the weekend is the quarterback in the NFL, the quarterback play in the NFL is absolutely terrible right now. I think there are a couple quarterbacks that are playing really well Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. I, I would say that after what are we in, like week four, pretty safe to say those are the four MVP candidates. 
I don't know that anybody else can even join the conversation. And then after that, I really think there's a huge fall off. I don't think there are many good quarterbacks. I think we could be looking at like a record year of teams that are interested in quarterbacks. Like if you don't have one of those four guys, if you don't have Joe Burrow or you know maybe Jared Goff, you're probably looking for a quarterback. You know, Lamar Jackson, like they're not going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see 10 plus teams that are talking about quarterbacks in the first round. I, obviously, we won't see 10 quarterbacks drafted in the first round, but when you just go look at the NFL teams and who could need a quarterback, like I, I know we all saw it on Twitter this week, and like the, the Colts were at the North Dakota State game. Now, yep, they're going to be one. Like Jacksonville, they could be another one just right there in that division. The Atlanta Falcons could. The Carolina Panthers could. The New Orleans Saints could. Hell, like maybe even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like if a quarterback falls to them and they're like, yeah, how long is Tom going to be here? Like there's so many teams in the NFL right now that really could be looking at a quarterback. And outside of the top four, five, six guys, there are some really bad quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know if it's making Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes look better, but the rest of them, it is not looking good. The bottom half is looking rough. Those are our takeaways, our hot takes. Let us know yours, and we'll be back to do a little prospect talk today. No draft on draft, little prospect roundtable. All right, Melo, today we're going to try something a little new. A uh, little prospect talk, prospect roundtable. I don't know. We haven't come up with a funny name for it yet. We will. Basically, the hot prospect names that everyone's hearing about, reading about on Twitter, thinking about, we just want to have like an open forum. What do you think of this guy? What do you think of his play so far this year? And I want to start with Kyle Trask, quarterback at Florida. We've said before, my man is entrenched for, for stick to football. He is at least quarterback four. I want to say it like that. He's at least quarterback four, and he might be climbing. Kyle Trask is playing exceptionally well. He's Like you said earlier, he's getting the ball to Kyle Pitts. He's getting the ball to Kadarius Toney. We're starting to see other players get involved for that Florida offense. The Dan Mullen bump has been beautiful for Kyle Trask, but also like, Melo, I see this as an offense that does translate. You know, we talk a lot about NFL throws. How many games of film do I have to watch of Kyle Trask to see NFL throws? I'll tell you, buddy, it's like a half. And they're there. Right. They're right. there. I watch him climb the pocket and make plays. I watch him evade the rush and make plays. I watch him get to second and third progressions and make plays. And you can't say anything about the level of competition he's playing because it's Florida. This is the SEC. And even though the schedule so far this year hasn't been absolutely amazing, no disrespect to Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Texas A&M, but it, it will get better this coming week against LSU. It will get better against Georgia. I've already said they will be against Alabama in the SEC championship game. I think Kyle Trask is, we're seeing that, his solidifying himself as a, a legitimate high-end NFL quarterback prospect. Yeah, and that's what I was writing about this weekend, too. Like, when you look at him, he is officially quarterback four and climbing. Climbing so much so that I think he's a first-round talent, kind of like we were talking about in the last segment. When you look at teams that actually need a quarterback or that might be interested in a new quarterback, that's simple supply and demand. And when you look at Kyle Trask, I tweeted out Sunday night that, like, he reminds me of Carson Wentz. And I think like people that like Kyle Trask took that as an offense. It, it wasn't. It, it was not intended to be. I think he's a big athletic quarterback who can move around inside the pocket and maybe a little bit outside the pocket. But he reminds me a lot of Carson Wentz, and I mean the positives. And I think that's going to be enough to land him in the first round. And after you look at what he's going to be able to do this season in the SEC, he's going to have the production. He's going to have the numbers. He's going to have that just high potential 
he's going to be a first round pick. I really like what he's done so far. I know that we were watching him. I think it was week one. And you said, uh, I, you had heard that maybe he didn't have the strongest arm. And I even saw people tweeting like, oh, he's got a noodle for an arm. He's got a good arm. I really think that he has a strong arm. We've seen him make the throws to the outside. We've seen him hit the seam. We've seen him put touch on the ball as well. I do think that Kyle Trask is quarterback for, uh, you know, obviously a guy like uh, Trey Lance did not look good this weekend. I haven't went back and watched that game yet, and I wasn't watching it uh, while other good college football games were going on. But maybe this is a guy that could challenge for the one of those top three spots. But at least for right now, he's number four for me. And I do think that he's probably a back-end first-round talent at the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I really, really like watching what we've seen from Kyle Trask. And that goes um, right to Kyle Pitts from there, who I, I told you, I keep wanting to call him Kylie Pitts, and I don't know why. Like, I don't I don't know why, but I do. Uh, but Kyle Pitts, Melo, at one point, he had six touchdown catches in six quarters. Yep. It's amazing. And so, but here's like the production has been amazing, but I, I do have some questions about Kyle Pitts to where we can look at the production and it is like, it's, it's good. Is it translatable? He's six foot six, two forty. We looked it up on Saturday. He's projected to run a 40 in like the four, seven range, right. which at his size is not great. So I like Kyle Pitts. I like Kyle Pitts a lot. I think he's a really fun player. I don't know how easily he's going to be able to get open at the NFL level. And so for his size, 6'6", 240, right? We can look at uh, a player like Evan Ingram, who's not that tall, but 6'3", 234. Evan Ingram ran a 4'4", 2. So like when I look at Kyle Pitts, it's like what, like what is my what is my comparison? Who in the NFL can I look at and be like, okay, you're close to them. Noah Fant, 6'4", 250, ran a 4'5". Mike Gusecki, six five and a half, two forty seven, ran a four five. So like it's hard for me to find comps for a guy like Kyle Pitts who are, are that slender, six six two forty, and are also able to get on the field and produce. And I'm not saying he can't, but I do think it's going to be a little bit of a projection where we have to say like, okay, can we get this guy in you know the right kind of offensive scheme where he's going to be schemed open a little bit because I don't see him having the speed to to get that separation. Now, he can definitely do it with size. He can do it with catch radius. But when I look at Kyle Pitts, to me, he's still behind Pat Fryermuth as the top tight end in the country. I'm intrigued, but I'm not in love. And I think I would put him right there in the same... Like I'm intrigued by him. It, as a college football fan, I think that he's probably going to win the John Mackey Award for the best tight end in the country. And it, with six touchdowns so far, he probably should. He's definitely the front runner, and we haven't seen Fryermuth yet, but no other tight end is doing what Kyle Pitts is. But when I look at the tape and I watch him play, he made two really good grabs on Saturday that showed like he has a huge catch radius. He can shield defenders from the ball. But when I look at the two touchdowns he caught, on the one, I, it was like a drag route or some type of a screen. No one was around him. Like That goes down as a touchdown, but it wasn't anything that you know special. Anybody on that field could have caught that ball and made that touchdown. The other one was a slant route that the corner just shit his pants on and didn't know what to do. I think he fully expected, like, this guy is six foot six. They're probably going to put him in the corner. And then Kyle Pitts runs a simple slant route. He's wide open. Touchdown. So the two touchdowns, good for him. But I'm not seeing it on tape to where, man, this guy's going to get open in the NFL. Because what is he? To me, he's not a tight end. I know that he's listed that way. 
but I don't think he is. Uh, you can't play him in line. You you can't even play him in line at Florida. That's yeah. that's how bad the blocking is. So what is he? Let's call it what it is. The guy's a receiver. And where does he stack up against the receivers in this class? Not high. So why take a guy that size in the first round if really he's he's going to be a red zone target? Like how what's different between Kyle Pitts and Colin Johnson at Texas? You know, they're both about 6'6", 225, 240. They can't separate, but they can go up and win the football. Where was Colin Johnson drafted? Like the fourth round, maybe? I don't even remember. Hakeem Butler is the one. Butler. Yeah, that's another but one. But even Hakeem Butler, didn't he run like a good 40? Yeah. Like, we're not going to see that with Kyle Pitts. So, I love what he's doing at Florida. I'm really excited to watch him play, and I love the college player that he is, but I don't think that he's a prospect. It, uh, like a big mistake that a lot of people are going to make is they're going to see six touchdowns in six quarters. This dude's lighting it up. Yeah, he's got great production. But when we're looking at the NFL draft, we're not looking at production. We're, we're looking at a projection of can this guy do it at the next level? And I've got a lot of question marks. Like He's nowhere near Pat Fryermuth for me at tight end one. Like I don't even think it's in the question of tight end one. I still think that he's battling for tight end two with guys like Brevin Jordan, who is a, an exceptional yes. athlete. So Kyle Pitts, like I, I love him at Florida. I don't know that I would want him on my NFL team. Yeah, I man, I I absolutely feel the same way. Like I I love Pat Fryermuth. Brevin Jordan's been very exciting. Uh, I, I like Noah Gray at Duke as well. That's my sleeper tight end. If we're just throwing names out there. Oh, there are two at Iowa State. I like. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Kohler, this is Chase actually, Allen. This is a yep. good tight end class. Yeah, like a deep one. No, it it definitely it's kind of looking like a deep draft. Maybe everywhere. We'll be back right for this. Uh, how about this name? Even in a loss, you could not watch the Texas game and not have your eyes on number 46. Joseph Asai, his first year playing a true edge position, and Melo, he's unstoppable. Like he is, and it's the Big 12. I know they don't play a lot of defense. He's unstoppable. It has been amazing this year, and it might not show up in the stat sheet. He only has one sack, right? Mm-hmm. But he's everywhere. That, squeezing the edge in the run game, disrupting players, inside stunt, outside pass rush. He is, I mean, he's been going off. And and as a junior, he could technically come back for one more year if he wanted. I don't think he needs to. I I really, really like watching Osai play. He has an NFL body. He has NFL athleticism. A lot of times we'll see college rushers, you know, like a Noah Spence. You're like, man, I really like watching him play, but where's the first step quickness? Where's that get-off ability? I think Osai has it, and he's still learning the position in ways that's exciting. I think he's a first-round pick. I do, too. And I know that a lot of people are going to say, man, these guys are really hammering at home on Texas today. Look at these Texas homers. I've been very hard on them. Like We haven't talked about Sam Ellinger. <laughs> like He's the quarterback of the team, and I, I don't think that he's a draft prospect. I think that this year the NCAA said this year doesn't count. Ellinger might want to go back to Texas. But for Joseph Osai, this is a legitimate prospect. And a lot of people have been asking us, like, who's the number two edge rusher in this class? Behind Rousseau, who's it going to be? I think you're right. I think it's Joseph Osai. And when you look at him play the athletic ability, like for some reason, the first two years of his career at Texas, they said the six foot four, 255 pound guy should play off ball <laughs> linebacker. Let's drop him back into coverage on third down instead of having his him pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. So just like two, three games into the season of him playing edge rush, 
I think he's looked exceptional. I think he's pretty heavy-handed, but he's also really yeah. athletic. And thank God that the Texas coaches screwed him over because now he can also drop back into coverage and he can play that way too. I do think he's a first-round talent. And as far as edge rushers go, he's number two. I think that he's a guy that could be a top 15 pick. I'm really liking what I see out of Joseph Osai as a Texas fan, but also a guy that covers the draft. I think that he can be a special edge rusher. I have an edge two with guys like Carlos Basham, Patrick Jones, Quiddy Pay, Chris Rump, Xavier Thomas. Like Those are the guys I have below him right now. Um, I'm very, very intrigued by him. How about a transfer from North Dakota State, Jabril Cox, I might be irrationally high on Jabril Cox, and I want you to tell me if I'm crazy. My linebacker rankings, Micah Parsons, Jabril Cox. Ooh, that's rich. Micah Parsons, <laughs> Jabril Cox. I love the way he plays, and like the size is there. Uh, he's listed at 6'4", 231. So he grew an inch and gained two pounds when he left North Dakota State, which I, I love that. It happens. but And, and I'll say LSU is always pretty accurate on height weight. I like Jabril Cox. We see it again uh, against Vanderbilt this past weekend. Seven tackles, a sack. He's making plays all over the field. He had a pick six against Mississippi State week one. I'm really, really intrigued by Jabril Cox. Uh, I get a little bit of like... There's, I don't know that there's a great NFL comp because I think he has range, like, but he's 6'4", 241. Like he's he's a big dude out there who can make plays. So maybe it's Bernardrick McKinney. You know, maybe it's Zach Cunningham, but like I see him playing in the middle of an NFL defense with that length, that range, the tackle radius. Like it's it's big. I wouldn't be surprised if Jabril Cox is a top twenty pick. I really like what I've seen so far too. And I didn't get to watch the LSU game yet this weekend because they played Vanderbilt, but watching him drop into coverage against Mississippi State and play in the backfield as well, I do think that he's a guy that could be special. Like you mentioned you have him as linebacker too. Like I'm going back through now and I'm looking at my linebackers that I have, like Dylan Moses, Chas Surratt, Owuso Koromoa. He might actually be linebacker too for me as well. I think this is a deep linebacker class. Like Monty Rice is in that conversation too, but no one's playing better than Jabil Cox right now. And like we don't get to see it with Micah Parsons, so he might be the best linebacker that's playing in the nation right now. I do think that that's another guy that like we knew about him coming from North Dakota State. You hear a lot of people talking about him. Hell, you even get people tweeting like, man, I'm a North Dakota State fan. You better be watching for Cox because he dominated last year. He's yep. going to be great at LSU, and he hasn't disappointed. That's for damn sure. He's big, and he's athletic. I don't know about you, Matt, but every time I see a guy who's like 6'4 and can run, like that's Derek Johnson to me. Oh. Like You're probably more accurate with the Texans linebackers, but if you're 6'4 and you can run, you're Derek Johnson. And that is a big compliment coming from me. You white, you've been Affleck. Like it's a rule, right? <laughs> yeah. That's just how it works. Uh, uh, how about a couple Alabama guys? Uh, they're all good. That's my takeaway. Mac Jones, though, has entered the conversation. Mac Jones is here. We have to talk about him uh, as a quarterback prospect. Obviously, like Jalen Waddles, crazy fast, and the big players are there. Devonta Smith, I think he has the best hands of any receiver in college football uh, as far as the draft goes. But when it's not just that, like it's the defense, it's what they have in the secondary with Patrick Sertan. Uh, when I do like the old search on my big board for Alabama players, there are 13 of them. Like they're, yeah. they're just, they're loaded again. And like, that's never going to change as long as Nick Saban's there, but they're loaded at high end and depth. Like you get Najee Harris. Oh, but there's Brian Robinson Jr. There's Jalen Waddle. There's Devonta Smith. 
Like it's just it's everywhere for them. Patrick Sertan, oh, you also have Josh Job. Christian right. Barmore, LeBron Ray. Like they're just they're too deep at every position, it feels like. Yeah, too deep with draft eligible guys. And like you mentioned that you have 13 of them this year. I bet you had 13 of them last year, too. <laughs> right. It's just every damn year with these guys. And you know, like I hated when we were in Tuscaloosa. I thought it was a terrible place to tailgate, but my God, can Nick Saban build a program? Like they're just they're so perfect. And even when you lose two, it's like, oh, Nick Saban finally got his quarterback. Psych, he's gone after three years. And then Mac Jones comes in and just replaces him like seamlessly. And then you have a young guy and uh, young who's also going to take his place. I'm very impressed with what Alabama is doing and just continues to do. And as far as prospects go, like we knew that Jalen Waddle was going to be special when he got on the field and finally got that chance. I think he's even exceeding expectations. And now, like, the sophomore receiver, John Mechie, number eight, like, he looks good. Like, he's going to be the next guy. So we talk about, like, retooling instead of rebuilding. It's at every position for these guys. You're going to lose two receivers. You're going to replace them. You know, Najee Harris hasn't really been talked about, but he's even playing very well. Like, he's already hurling over guys. You have Patrick Sertan on the defense. I thought that the safety Jordan Battle came in, and he played very well. He's a sophomore. I don't, I don't think that he's a draft-eligible guy yet, but these Alabama guys are all living up to expectations. Yeah, they are. And also, um, like you said, there's the next wave. Like when you watch Alabama, you'll see a guy pop and be like, ooh, who's that? Look on the depth chart. Nope, he's a freshman or right. a sophomore. So many yeah. sophomores because those guys had to play last year. When you know, yeah. Dylan Moses goes down, oh, we got to throw a guy in there. And they have a freshman, Will Anderson, who's like an outside pass rusher. He's a true freshman. He's a guy that we're going to have to keep an, an eye on. Like So far through two games, he's looked really well. And, and to come in at Alabama and start your first game ever at linebacker for Alabama, are you kidding me? Like Keep an eye on this guy, Will Anderson. He wears number 31. I think that he's going to be a really special talent in three years when he's draft eligible. Uh, all right, last little bit here. Uh, this Tennessee offensive line, there's Trey Smith. I saw you tweeting about this over the weekend. It's not just Trey Smith. Like he's Trey Smith is good. It's not just him. This is a lineup, really, that the, the depth chart on the offensive line is full, and it's good, and it's guys that are... I mean, some young guys like Juana Morris, who's a sophomore, but Jerome Carvin at right guard, very good. Brandon Kennedy, a transfer as a redshirt senior, very good. So this is a team that like, yeah, Trey Smith, if the health checks out, it's going to be a first round pick, but it's the rest of this depth chart that's really good too. And like a fun thing about them is that if they had Cade Mays, who transferred from Georgia because his father lost his finger, uh, if they had him on this team, I believe they would have five five star recruits starting on the offensive line. So like I know that everybody loves Trey Smith, but you're right. When you look at Morris at left tackle and right at right tackle, there's a reason why they felt so confident moving Trey Smith inside to guard. And when you watch these guys play and you watch them run the football like they did on Saturday, you have to put these guys on your watch list. Some of them I I think are redshirt sophomores even, so might be guys to watch for this year, but they've definitely put their name out there as like, hey, Trey Smith is really good. He might be a first-round guard. There's some other guys that can play for Tennessee, too. So you definitely want to keep an eye out for those guys watching them play. This is another team that, like, the ebb and flow of college football. When I was a kid, Tennessee was the top. They had Peyton Manning. You know, they were winning national championships. 
is Tennessee back might be a question that we start having to ask because they absolutely dominated Mizzou. And I know Mizzou is 0-2 right now, but they've got some players on that team too. And Eric Gray running behind that great Tennessee offensive line, Tennessee is going to be a threat in the SEC. I, I know that it sounds stupid to say this, but like the SEC is loaded, maybe more so than usual. And it's coming from teams like Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. Like The, the SEC East is back. Yeah, man. Tennessee being good, like a Saturday in Knoxville. Like I, I've never been to a game. That's on my list. I've never been like, to a game, but I've heard a Morgan Wallen song. That's that what makes I want to go, <laughs> bro. I'm cutting the sleeves off a of flannel. I'm blasting that Morgan Wallen. I want to play bags in the parking garage. I, yeah, get me a Peyton Manning 16 hometown jersey. I'm in. Me and Morgan Wallen all day. I'll be a volunteer. Uh, you should volunteer to leave a review for this amazing show. And we'll be back uh, Friday morning. Connor will be with us. And you know we're going to have a good time. Blind review, draft on draft. It's always great to stick to football. So enjoy. We'll talk to you guys real soon.